Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield. Good morning. Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. This is the wobbly Merritt Hamilton Allen because everything sounds wobbly through my headphones today. Uh, joined by Gary Potterfield. How are how are you sounding, Gary? Well, see, the thing is, you're just hearing wobbly. Oh, you're then actually, I'm fine. You're speaking fine now. Just to keep things so you're not you don't get uh, like. Equilibrium problems, you should start speaking wobbly so it's even. I'm fine, by the way. I hear everything, and, and, and how do I sound? You sound like Gary. Oh. See, now, as soon as I said that, you were like, you, you went weird, but okay. You're good oh, for now. Well, okay. What, what, no, what I meant to say is you sound like um, uh, uh, Crisco on Ultra Suede. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for that. <laughs> you Got it. <laughs> uh, so we're going to continue our conversation with Justin Siri of Beyond the Uniform today. But before that, we've had a kind of interesting uh, exercise going on this week that we'll be continuing today. I'm calling it Spin Doctor Heal Thyself, where we're actually <laughs> training ourselves to be better presenters. Well, yeah, that's the that isn't that the thing, you know? We, we, uh, you, you've I, this reminds me. Um, a little bit of my high school, uh, I had to do an oral thing in front of the my, my si- social studies teacher, my senior, we had to draw from hats uh, what religion we had to talk about. And I picked Christianity and I said, okay, piece of cake, I'll just, I don't have to study at all. And, uh, and of course, then the day comes up and I'm just, I just blew it. I mean, I totally blew it because it was like, well, I know this stuff, don't I? I don't have to rehearse or practice or know what the hell I'm talking about. I mean, I figured out, so yeah, there's this Jesus guy. Wait a minute. Anyway, so, yeah, we need to uh, we, we need to get our act together and do real well. We, I mean, we're good. We're good, but we got to get better. Well, what's so interesting with all the presentation and speech training we've been doing uh, this spring, I was really struck when we uh, turned the lens on ourselves, as it were, and you could tell when we had prepared and practiced a, practiced a little bit, and you could tell when we couldn't. I mean, it That's was could not point. have been more obvious. Yeah, it could not have been more obvious. That is always the case, no matter who you are, no matter what you you know. That that is what's important. Um, uh, anecdotally, I remember uh, when the late Admiral Borda was uh, Cincus Navier over in Europe. And uh, there was this incident with uh, the U.S. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. I'm sure you remember that when the U.S. Uh, when we accidentally uh, shot an ex- uh, shot a missile into a Turkish ship. Uh, not a good thing. Not a good day. But he had to speak to it, so he had a murder board. I mean, here's a guy who was on television and responding to media all the time, and yet he felt the need uh, to practice, to rehearse, to have us uh, throw him, uh, you know, all kinds of crazy, you know, tough questions. And uh, so it doesn't matter how good you think you are, rehearsal practice is important. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, uh, I was continuing some of our other training and doing a, an entry interview with a, uh, a senior Navy executive yesterday. And it was interesting because, 
he had a very, very strong worldview, I'll put it. And he liked to disarm. Um, he was very, very good um, at speaking, at um, uh, controlling the narrative. He clearly done this before. And so we were talking through different things. And so then I got to the part, well, you know, sir, when we have our, um, uh, our one-on-one session, what do you want to work on? And uh, it went back to, and this surprised me. Um, he said, I really want to get better at um, uh, sticking to three key points in a speech and hammering them home. I really need to work on that. So um, that's good. I mean, it's good that he knew that he needed to do that. Well, he, you know, he thought he thought for a minute, and but but I find that interesting. I I find that with this group of uh, executives we're training, that's what everybody wants to get good at is the unscripted speech, the prepared remarks that are not reading uh, from a script. Right. Well, yeah, and, and as we have trained and uh, told folks in our training that. Um, you know, once you, once you nail down those things, and it's, it's uh, in other words, it's easier than you think. I mean, it requires effort and work and rehearsal and practice, but, what, but it's easier. Once you na- get those into your brain, you can have tremendous confidence um, th- that you're going to be able to handle it. You don't have to sit there and have that look in your eye with your eyes literally looking up, which, which tells the audience that you're trying to remember. Uh, you don't have to do that if you uh, nail down your key points. Exactly, and... Um I, I hope my mother is not listening because, oh gosh, 30 odd years ago, uh, I was in a, a speech contest, the American Legion speech contest, and you give a speech on the Constitution, and then they draw uh, one of the Bill of Rights out of a hat, and you have to give an extemporaneous speech on that. And my parents insisted, okay, you need to prepare 10 speeches for each of the Bill of Rights and be prepared to give one. I was like, no, it's extemporaneous. I have to be able to do it on the fly. No, that's not what extemporaneous means. <laughs> and so, of course, I blew the extemporaneous portion because I was adamant, no, I do not have to practice 10, 10 speeches. Mm. That's not extemporaneous. So, were you extemporawful? Is that what was going on? I was, ex- I was extemporawful. I did not win. Um, and uh, my parents were right. And it, it just, it's strange. I've been feeling that all spring as we're helping people with their uh, prepared remarks. I'm just thinking, my God, in the living room in Silver City, New Mexico, when my parents drilled me and put me through this and made me practice every night, they were so right. Mm. Yep. Yep. Because only it's the not- cool kids got to do oratorical contests, by the way. I was thinking, I'm just thinking about that. I was like, so there you were going to the American Legion to do a, to do a speech on the constitution. That's just, yeah, that must've been, that must've really, that must've really drawn in the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the young men. Oh, check check her out. Yeah. Yeah. So I I went from, you know, an oratorical star in high school to, um, ROTC close order drill team in college. I mean, Truly, I could not keep the boys away. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. And it just all culminated now in my um, online risk career. <laughs> so, And you're, you were the one who brought me into that. That's your fault. Uh, so, <laughs> you're welcome. It's still fun. It, you, do, you still, do you still play the um, when you're traveling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you win all the time? Um, well, I started playing the... Um, um, not just the um, artificial intelligence, but started playing real players online. 
And what was funny is I could move up through the rankings when I had a decent Wi-Fi signal, like on travel. And as soon as I got back home, uh, my connection could crap out and um, I could, you know, I could just never get Australia. What, you know, you lose by default. You said they, they just, you just. You yeah, know. I could. My, my screen would freeze and I'd, I'd lose connection with the game. And while I lost connection with the game, everybody gang up and I was gone. <laughs> so I've kind of given up on that. So, yeah, I'm 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 uh, 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 playing the uh, the AI version. And it's just a matter of um, now I have to challenge myself. I'm going to take Australia last. Because really, all risk is about is getting Australia and sitting there until everybody's gone. That, 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 yeah, the worst is when you're trying to take Europe, or and, and Europe is just forget about it, man. I mean, what what the heck? Europe is and and uh, Africa's well, whatever. No, you're, you want you got to get uh, you got to get Middle East and Ukraine, and then you just sit. <laughs> and you don't try and get either one because no one's going to get Europe and no one's going to get Asia, and you just sit. You know, we could talk an hour about uh, about risk. We probably shouldn't, though. No, that's a really good idea. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, fortunately, I have been married uh, for 25 years this year, and my husband's a very good risk player. So I finally, you know, I finally found um, my pot found a lid. <laughs> oh, you guys, that's, that, that, is that what you do on a date? <laughs> Well, it's it, sometimes it's hard because we'll we'll have um, my uh, niece and some of her friends over, and it'll be a late night, and um, we'll have all been um, imbibing, and then everybody under thirty five forgets the rules, but still want to keep playing. Uh, I wonder. That's that's an interesting. Uh, you know, for I wonder what the world is like today. Do young people play board games? Yeah, they do. And Cards Against Humanity. That's why it's gone so well, viral. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe that one. Right. But, you know, like, nobody plays Monopoly anymore, do they? Mm-hmm. I do, but I mean. You know. Uh, it's, you know, in my family, um, it, it, Monopoly's been kind of banned because there is this thing where whoever's the banker wins. I don't know uh, how that happens, but right. it always happens that way. Right. Let's get off board games. I mean, I, I could talk all day. <laughs> I, I could. I, just, I could talk all day. I just feel. I feel guilty talking all day about board games. But the next thing you know, we'll go. Well, welcome to segment three, and we're talking about shoots and ladders. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, stay with us. Mystery after the break. date. We'll be, oh my gosh, my sisters used to play that. Uh, is he a dream or a dud? No, really. And for our next guest, we have a dream. It's Justin Nassiri, um, a uh, Navy, Navy veteran, a, um, a successful entrepreneur, um, has uh, launched um, uh, multiple startups, and uh, the driving force and the voice of Beyond the Uniform, which has a very successful pa- podcast uh, of its own. And uh, they're focused on helping transitioning veterans um, from any service and any background, uh, officer enlisted, understand how to make their credentials relevant in the real world to transition to the private sector. So I'm really excited to continue that conversation. You see, if there would have been a beyond the uniform when I retired from the Navy, maybe, who knows, maybe I wouldn't be with you now. See, who knows what, uh, maybe I'd have been like, I, I could have like walked out the door and with some amazing success. Not that I didn't have success, but hey, who knows? If 
I had had to well, yeah, be on the uniform back then. That's true. Right. You could, you could have been the, um, um, now I can't remember. Oh, you could have been the uh, Mark Zuckerberg of digital signage. Not right. that you're not. N- not that, not that well, you're right. not. <laughs> I didn't know those words back then. Well, I knew, right. the, I knew the two words. I didn't know them together. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, this is cool. It's great to have Justin back. You know, we had some uh, technical issues the first time two weeks ago, so we, we weren't able to dig into it as much as we want to. And so it's great uh, to have him back. And uh, And I think I suggest that we don't uh, – We maybe we could ask him his favorite board game, but I don't think that's the good idea. Um, this is the brand ambassadors, folks, uh, Merritt Hamilton Allen uh, over there. And over there means like on the west side of the country. Gary Potterfield here on the east side. And uh, drop us a line, give us a call. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen, joined by Gary Potterfield and Justin Nasiri of Beyond the Uniform, a nonprofit 
uh, solely focused on helping veterans transition into the private uh, private sector. And you know, Justin, I would say seventy percent of our guests on this show have a Navy background. Mm. And I'm wondering, um, you know, the inherent veterans network is that something that translates well into the private sector? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's good to see Navy is represented on the show, first of all. But, um, the, uh, yeah, it, it, it does translate well. I think that what I found in interviewing over 270 veterans for Beyond the Uniform is that there are some common speed bumps along the way. Um, there is definitely the, the divide between military and civilian. And, and what I found in interviewing civilians as well is, like, in general, the civilian population wants to support military veterans. They know there's some value there, but there is this deep misunderstanding or deep chasm between the two where they don't really know how to help or how to leverage this very relevant, very unique skill set. So when you're talking to the veterans themselves as they prepare to transition, um, do, do, are there any particular aha moments that they get when you're talking to them in terms of their transition? Yeah, and, and usually, you know, most of the people I've interviewed for the show, they're military veterans who successfully made that transition. And this is, you know, the head of the former CEO of Pepsi, NFL players, um, Academy Award nominees. And so a lot of it is dissecting their story. What was their transition like? Where did they make mistakes? And a couple of the aha moments that come up, because often I'll ask, what, what did you not know that you wish you would have known? I, I would say the first bucket of realizations is a lot, you know, the majority of people I've interviewed drastically underestimated what it takes to make the transition. They started planning a few months beforehand. They didn't have savings. They, they um, didn't really know what they were going to do. And I think that the two things that are driving that is, is first of all, we tell our military population, and uh, you know, you're going to be taken care of. As soon as you get out, people are going to be lining up to hire you. Uh, we give them the impression that the moment they take off their uniform, there's going to be a ticker tape parade, and they're going to be given a job that suits whatever it is that they want. And it's a, I think it's an incredible disservice. Uh, the, the, the second thing that we, that we do to create this is when, when I was in the military, I knew when I needed to go to the dentist. I knew when I needed to go to the doctor. I need, I, every single thing was taken care of. And while there was a lot of ambiguity in my job, while there was a lot of leadership in my job, there was also a lot of hand-holding that I didn't even recognize was occurring. And so between those two things, I, I think that we've really made it so that most people who serve in the military the way that I look at it is we do an incredible job programming civilians to become warriors in the military, and we do a really poor job of reprogramming them at the end of that to go from warrior to civilian. So the biggest thing that I see is that members of the military drastically underestimate what it's going to take to make that shift. And a lot of that boils down to them doing the heavy lifting which is one of the second problems I see. They, they, when I talk to 
someone straight out of the military, the most common response that I get when I ask them what they're looking for is, I'm a Swiss Army knife. I can do anything. I'm willing to do anything. I'm a jack of all trades. Those are like verbatim three or four different phrases that I hear. And I think that the, the misconception is that by being open to anything, by being willing to do anything, they will have more opportunity when in fact it's exactly the opposite. By not being specific, by not doing the work for me, I, I can't really help them. I think of, you know, if I run into someone on the street and they were to say that to me, I'll do anything, my mind has nowhere to go with that. Whereas on the show I had one lady who, in talking about her own elevator pitch, said, hey, I'm Molly, I'm looking to move to, I, I was in the Marine Corps, I'm now moving to San Francisco, I'm looking to join a 51 to 200 person company in the health and fitness space in a marketing role, can you help me? And then the moment I hear that, my mental Rolodex starts flying. I can start thinking of people I know to help her. And I think that the realization for me is I, and I think most people, I want to help people in the military. But that, that second category of mistakes is they, they sometimes make it difficult by not doing some soul searching and some values work and a lot of discovery to figure out with laser pinpoint accuracy exactly what they want. And so those are, those are you know, there's, there's more, but those are two of the ones that stand out as, as the most prominent. You know, something that um, uh, one of my last bosses in the military talked to me about, uh, and I, I think it's very rare for um, commanders to think of this, is he asked everybody, do you have a current resume? Mm. What? I'm a lifer. I need a good fit rep. Oh, I'm never getting out, right? Mm. And um, he shared his with us. He was a lieutenant commander at the time, and it's not like he needed it um, because he retired as a one-star. It's uh, Hal Pittman, who's now uh, VP of Communications for Arizona Public Service. But uh, I'm sure he's in that job because he's always been very smart um, about uh, and realistic about being ready to position himself in the civilian workforce. So, you know, my experience is I didn't plan on getting out. I got sick and got med boarded out. And it was fortunate um, that he had put us through that drill because I did have a resume ready to go. But I yep. think that's it, that, uh, that can be the hardest thing. And my, and my resume was very civilian. Um, because of the work I did, public uh, uh, public affairs translates to a, a PR resume pretty easily. And yeah, it, so that wasn't too difficult. It's, it's, it was surprising to me as well. So with Beyond the Uniform, the interviews I've done, I, I would guesstimate that 5 to 10% of the people that I've interviewed face their transition unexpectedly. They had planned on remaining in the military, like you said, for life or at least for longer than they, than they actually were able to. I think of Joe Musselman, who, who runs the Honor Foundation, which helps Navy SEALs and special operations, special forces personnel. He you know, was just at the start of his SEAL training. He was just going through this process at the start of a lifelong dream and had medical complications that weeks later he was unemployed. And so I think that what you're pointing out is really crucial that, you know, whether 
the, the way that I view it, it's, it's every single person in the military, whether it's two years or 30 years, they're going to face a transition eventually. And so it's, it's that almost that process of you're going to do this eventually, so be ready for it at any time because that's the one of the very few downsides of serving in the military is for the most part there's incredible job, job security, but there is that element of extreme unpredictableness of not knowing when that transition will be, and it rarely happens. But the fact that 10% of the people that I've interviewed – have been through that shows that it's not as rare, rare as people might think. And, and that also brings up one other thought in terms of a challenge that I would say almost every single person that I've interviewed has faced is um, the members of the military really struggle to sell themselves, whether that's in a network setting whether that's on their resume, like you were just talking about, or whether that's in an interview, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult for them to really speak with confidence about what they, as an individual, accomplished. The most common phrase, and it's, it's awesome to see, but it's also detrimental, the most common phrase I hear them say is, we did this, my team did this. Right. Great to see. It's great to see them thinking as a team. And if you ask them about the people that they worked for, that worked for them, they have no problem boasting about them. But when it comes to selling their contribution, their accomplishment, their role in a unit success, they, they have been indoctrinated away from doing that. And when you compare that to someone who has a civilian who's been doing that for five or 10 years in an interview environment, and here is this military veteran who can't do that, you know, it just makes me think that the other person is more confident or more competent. I don't believe that's the case, but it certainly comes across that way when someone is, uh, you're either having to pull teeth to get them to talk about what they did, or they're unwilling to do so because they they view that as self-serving or self-centered. I was going to ask a question that I think we'll probably have, maybe maybe uh, the break will come up and we'll have to wait for it. I was, but I was curious about the, you mentioned about the, um, it relates to the per- person getting out uh, unexpectedly or the person not getting out unexpectedly. I was thinking about like first termers, you know, people who just came in for four or five years versus those who are doing a career, the differences uh, that they face or the differences they feel uh, and, and the different approaches they have in terms of looking for work. Um, when they when they get out of the military, um, we could, I guess we could start to talk about it, but we've got about a minute before we have to get a break. Absolutely, and just just cut me off as you need to. So I actually I did, did um, original research on this. I looked at LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is great; it's publicly available data. So I looked at thousands of military veterans to see what trends are there if someone serves for five years versus twenty years. How does that impact their career choices? How does that impact the industry that they go into, the functional role they go into, the size company, all sorts of things? And what I found was was pretty amazing. Um, As you would expect, those who serve for five years or less, they're 77% more likely to go into technology than someone who retires after 20 years. It's, it's, it's orders of magnitude different. And, and conversely, 
if you get out after five years, you're 55% less likely than retirees to go into government and law. Which Okay, now, now I am going to cut you off, buddy. Yep. <laughs> it's time for the break. <laughs> we we'll to continue this on. Listen to the brand ambassadors. Justin Nasiri with uh, Beyond the Uniform is with us, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. You are listening to The Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Marin Hamilton Allen and uh, Justin Nasiri of Beyond the Uniform. 
And uh, just before the break, uh, when I rudely interrupted Justin, we were talking about um, we are talking about uh, the difference between folks who are coming in, who are, who are going after jobs uh, right after uh, 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 like maybe one term, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, in the military versus a career. And th- and you mentioned the different uh, sectors that they tend to go into. One other thing I was thinking about, Justin, is 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 the do you notice a difference in the in the in the approach of the individual uh, veteran as they go after work, they themselves or is the, you don't have stats on that? it it um, you know qualitatively, it it does seem like the uh, more senior people who get out of the military are more proactive and more willing to ask for what they want. Um, it's, it's small things. You know, with our audience, when we do surveys, we see a lot higher participation rates amongst the senior officers asking for, hey, you know, I'm getting out. Thanks for doing this. I would love to hear about someone who does X, Y, and Z. And the younger or more junior personnel are, are not as active on the surveys and just kind of be, seem to be content with what they're, what, what uh, information we cover on the, the podcast. So that's one thing I've seen qualitatively. Um, but know that, that most of the research I looked at was more of where do they live, what industries do they work in, and how does that differ based on how long they've served? That, and the, the data you've got, I find... Um, uh, fascinating, and that you know that was something I think we talked about um, uh, off uh, off off microphone. I guess um, I, there've got to be some decent grants. Um, I'd love to work with you and uh, find some funding to do uh, some some more data mining because um, it, it's uh, it, it's very powerful. I, I think it's very powerful um, what y'all are doing. And then you know, just going back, let's be clear: y'all are all volunteer, right? We, we are, and, and first off, I am 100% in on finding that grant because um, I, I am just shocked. When I, when I first published this data, and I've done the same thing for consulting, I looked at the top 10 consulting companies in the world, looked at their military veterans, and for that one, I even looked at, um, based on how long they served in the military, how does that affect wh- how much they earn when they get out, and how, much, you know, how many people go to school, how many people... What degrees do they have? How long do they work after the military before they enter consulting? So when I do this research, there's part of me that's like, someone out there must have done this. There's, there has never been more publicly available information about our military veteran workforce, but I don't see people mining that in the way that, that we've done. And so I, it's something I've been thinking about Literally this week, Merritt, so your, your offer on that is very timely. I'd love to, to, to coordinate with you to figure out, because it does take, um, you know, to your second point, we are all volunteers. Um, myself, there's four other people who help me with the show. We do this on lunch breaks, on evenings, on weekends. We're, we're cramming it into the nooks and crannies of, of our life. We're very grateful to do that. And that's, that's sufficient for we produce two shows every week and occasionally we'll do like webinars or something more interactive. But there is so much more that we would like to do, but it's just very limited by funds. And in particular with that data research, you know, the way that I've done that in the past, I actually hired teams of outsourced labor 
to pour through LinkedIn and all of this data, and there's still elements that are very manual. You still have to have someone physically looking at these profiles and figuring out how long the person served and things like that. And so each of these reports have cost, you know, a few thousand dollars to produce. And that's just us pitching in our own money, which, which is the reason we haven't done more of it. So it, but it's, it's also, you know, the fact that I'm, I've been able to get four people to volunteer their time and that I've been able to get 270 very impressive people to volunteer to come on the show to be interviewed, it really speaks to the power of the military network and how, uh, how much people are willing to do to support their brothers and sisters in uniform and, and really assist them in making the best transition possible. Well, while I appreciate the uh, the the all volunteer Beyond the Uniform Force, I think it's time to bring up the uh, the draft for Beyond the Uniform. <laughs> I like that mandatory service. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, if I may be uh, a bit of a cynic. Um, uh, the, uh, on on my uh, former retired en- enlisted guy uh, soapbox, um, you, when you talk about the thing, the we, people say we. I have to say something that um, that may may or may not relate to that, and that is the fact that um, um, I called it the fit rep pyramid scheme, where uh, pe- <laughs> where people uh, the higher they go, they they would take credit for things below people below them did, and so I think there are some people who like never really did the thing you know it's just like it was it was that guy two levels below me that actually did the job and I, but i'm taking mm-hmm. credit for it so i think there can be some people when they're getting ready to retire and this affects senior enlisted uh, officers if i think it affects them all where do you really have the skills have you gotten or you just kind of been coasting to the end of your career that's kind mm-hmm. of one thing i would be concerned about that's you know I've never I've never thought about that. It's like the flip side of the same coin of is this person just claiming responsibility, you know? But but also this is the part I'm just thinking out loud here. When I I went to business school at Stanford, I, I my first week there, you're kind of in awe of all your classmates. You're feeling incredibly insecure and like that they've made a mistake in letting you in. And I remember this one guy I met. You know, he, uh, he he was introduced to me as like, hey, this guy launched this billion-dollar satellite program and got it into space, and this was all these amazing things. And I'm like, wow, that is incredible. I can't believe. And and over months and months and months, I realized, oh, he was part of a 2,000-person team that launched these satellites, and he was, you know, not the most senior person there. And so where I feel torn is I feel like on the civilian side, it's much more common to, to take credit for a group contribution to, to kind of position oneself there. And I don't imagine it's that drastically different than what you're, what, what you're referencing there. So there's right. part of me that's like, oh, man, maybe it's just learning the rules of the game and being adept at playing it. And, and we don't really make the rules on that, but you got to – if you're competing against 100 people applying for the same job, you better make sure that you're, you're, you know the rules to be able to, to compete with them. 
If I can insert one quick thing, Merritt, take a, I know you probably have a question, but one thing I noticed with some people that I know, a good friend of my brother's, uh, it was in the Navy and, uh, and happened to a lot of his, he was in the, he was a CB, my brother was, that, um, that um, you know, they're getting toward the end of their career and they were highly successful, but they really didn't prepare, didn't get his degree, didn't, you know, didn't get the certifications he needed to, to, to be a construction manager, whoever this person was. I think some of that happens to folks is they're getting, they, they've, I guess you, the preparation, it's not just about your, your resume, but it's about, are you really prepared to get out? I, I totally agree. And if I could, if I could one line beyond the uniform, it would be veterans can do absolutely anything they want in their civilian career. And most of them drastically underestimate what it takes to do so. And it's, it, it could be, as you're referring to, it could be certifications, training, knowledge. It could be, you know, I've talked to people who, while they're in the military, whenever they're on, you know, for the Navy, at least when they're on shore or when they're home from deployment, they will be volunteering at an organization to start to build up a resume, to start to build up a story of experience in addition to gathering the experience. But I, I think that it's just as often, it's not even the, necessarily the skill, the certification, or the, the resume experience. It's even more often the mindset and the, the knowledge of what someone wants. I'm, I'm a big believer that anyone who served in the military, they're, they're pretty great at breaking through walls and overcoming insurmountable obstacles. But to do so... We, we have to know what the objective is. We have to know what the mission is. And what I see is a really big reorientation for members of the military is, is taking the time, doing the work to figure out what is their unique next mission. They are unique. Their family is unique. Their aspirations are unique. What they enjoy is unique. And so really figuring out, again, with that laser pinpoint accuracy, what is it that they want to go after? And then it's a little bit easier if they say, hey, I think, you know, I like this aspect of the military. I think, you know, based on what I know, um, finance work, investment banking work is exactly what would, what would light me up. It would give me and my family the life that we want. It's right for us. Well, now it's easier because you can listen to an episode like Beyond the Uniform with people who did investment banking and hear their story. You can reach out to people on LinkedIn who served in the military who are doing investment banking. You can do these, you know, quote unquote coffee chats to then say, hey, you are doing a career that I find really interesting. What certifications do I need? What education do I need? What, you know, what do I need to obtain that? But it becomes much more tactical, much more achievable once you do what I think is that harder work of really saying, hey, there's 100,000 career options out there. I could probably do any of them. What are the one to three that I want to focus on rather than saying I'm a jack of all trades? What are the, the doors that I want to close so that I can give more energy, more attention to the, the jobs that are more likely to be a good fit for me? And, and what I see when, when veterans do that, they're unstoppable when they're able to say no to all of the good options that aren't great for them, they then have a ton more time and resource and energy to put behind going after those two or three things 
that are the ideal fit for them. And it's, it's, it also, like I said before, it makes it easier for other people to help them because they know with, with a lot of granularity exactly what they're going after. That is um, a great uh, pausing point. Um, we're going to uh, take a break uh, heading into our last segment. If you have any questions for uh, Justin or Gary or me, uh, send us a note at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program and welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. I am Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton Allen, and our guest today, uh, Justin Nasiri of Beyond the Uniform. And uh, Justin, as uh, my chauffeur was dropping me off this morning, I was thinking about salary expectations. Now we were talking during the we were talking during the break about this. Is that uh, uh, how realistic or unrealistic do you think it is that uh, military folks have of what they can expect uh, in terms of uh, compensation when they get out? 
Well, I think there's two parts to that, and, and specifically to the, your question, um, usually the guests I have on the show talk about how they were unrealistic, um, unrealistic in how long it would take to get the job, and unrealistic as to uh, what it would pay. Now, it's, it's a little bit different if you're going into something extremely adjacent to what you did in the military. If I'm a mechanic in the military and I'm a mechanic as a civilian, or if I am pretty much anything in the military and I go into government contracting, there the initial pay seems to be close to parity, if not a, a, a step up from what the person was earning in the military, uh, earning in the military. But the further away you get from what you did in the military, the more you have to be willing to take a few steps back in order to, in the long term, get ahead. And two, two examples that come to mind, one is this guy named Chris Pestel, who I interviewed years ago on the show, but I still think of this guy. He, was a, uh, he went to West Point. He was an officer in the Army. He got out, and he said, this is uh, the, the, the coolest story, because he said, you know what? I was making, let's just say, 100000 in the military. I have always wanted to be a photographer, and so I'm going to be a photographer. He takes a pay cut down to like 30000 so cuts it in over yeah, three-time pay cut and starts to become a photographer. And he's working for high schools. He's working for any odd job that he can fulfill. And over time, he becomes an ESPN photographer. He has like, you know, he builds up the life he wants. But that took years. That took years and years of years of a salary cut. Or another guy that I interviewed, this guy Jimmy Sopko, he served in the Navy. Uh, he got out. He, he's probably maybe 27, 28 when he gets out. He wants to go into technology, so he joins Pinterest. He jo- joins their customer support group. He is surrounded. This, this former warrior, this former military man is now side-by-side with 22-year-olds, and he's at their pay level and their seniority level. And that's, that's a pride blow that not a lot of people are willing to do. And, of course, in both of these cases, you know, with Jimmy in particular, he was able, and in six months, he was promoted. Like, he was promoted much more rapidly than his peers. His leadership work and his discipline, all these things in the military paid off. But I think that the general takeaway is that if you're going to be making a dramatic career shift, you need to be willing to take a, a fairly big step back in terms of both pay and the amount of time it will take you to achieve your goal. And then the, the, the second piece of this is I, I think that it's easy for veterans to fixate on salary and what most of my guests have pointed out, and this is usually half a decade, if not more, after they've gotten out of the military, is that the realization that salary, while easy to define, it's just one of a whole host of criteria in evaluating a job. And things like satisfaction and location and experience and mentorship and the team that you're working with and the mission all of these things hold value. And it's interesting to see the number of guests that I've had who get that high-paying job and then realize, you know, I miss 
having a sense of purpose. I've had at least five guests on the show who had that high-paying job and then left and took a salary cut to join a nonprofit because they really wanted that mission and sense of purpose that they felt in the military. So that second point is just, you know, salary is important, but, but it's not everything. And there's a whole lot more that might be more fulfilling and more meaningful to, to a veteran than just what they earn. I could not uh, agree more. As someone who hires veterans, that's that can be a, a challenge for me. And so I like a lot of the things you've said because I am going to use those points in managing expectations. I cannot tell you how many people have come to me saying, hey, Merritt, you know, I know you hire people from our uh, community and our background. And what I'm looking for is 120000 a year, 100% telework. <laughs> Yeah, and and I'm just like, mm. well, you know, I, I own the company and I don't have that, so I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking this might not be very realistic. But but the the thing that drives this, the thing that drives this, and this is where I can dust off my decades old economics degree is what will the market bear? Exactly. And military salaries are in an artificial vacuum and have no correlation to the private sector. And uh, that's that's one thing that has been a trend for the, really the last uh, 20 years is uh, private sector compensation has um, in um, middle to senior management, not C-suite, has remained relatively flat, just kind of moving up with cost of living. And, and you know, the nice thing is, is that there are sites like Glassdoor that Glassdoor.com, which for free, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit voyeuristic, but you can enter in any larger company and any title, and you can see exactly what their compensation range is. And right. it's, it's it's good for. I just I I in general really encourage listeners to like go into this assuming it's going to be hard and difficult, assuming it's going to take six to nine months to find that job, assuming that you're going to be paid less than you expect. If it works out better than that, great. But otherwise, at least you've got the savings built up. You've got the mental toughness built up. You're ready for things to take a while. You're ready to take a step back be pleasantly surprised if you earn more or if it goes faster, but I would much rather listeners be safe and taken care of by over-preparing and, and, and setting their expectations low than, than going in thinking they're going to be handed a job that pays a million dollars and then, and then the, the cold truth that most of my guests have faced on Beyond the Uniform is that it's, it takes a while and they're not paid exactly what they thought they were going to be paid when they left the military. Well, uh, Justin, we are, uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up, but um, I'd like for you just to share um, all of your online details and your website. And you do take, um, you take contributions, do you not? You're a nonprofit. We do, we do. So um, I appreciate that. We are, um, everything you'll find is at beyondtheuniform.org. Um, there is a, uh, there's over 275 free episodes, um, every conceivable career path and lifestyle you can imagine. And um, there are eBooks, things like that. There is a support link um, where you can donate, but also even more importantly, we're starting to bring on corporate sponsors. And so if you work at a company that hires veterans, we've had Lockheed Martin and Verizon and Palantir, uh, Comcast, a lot of great companies who are willing to support beyond the uniform 
in exchange, we do a panel, we do a live webinar, we do an episode to feature their company, but it also helps keep this free for veterans so that uh, veterans anywhere in the world can listen to episodes at any time. That That's just a fantastic story. And unfortunately, we're out of time. I think we could talk all day about either iPad risk or transitioning veterans. You, you decide, but you'll have to come back and uh, talk with us. <laughs> Thanks so much, Justin Nasiri of Beyond the Uniform. For Gary Potterfield, I'm Merritt Hamilton-Allen. You've been listening to The Brand Ambassadors. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.